Alex Adaris, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, friend. Uh, boy, this is going to be a fun one, I think. Uh, so I invited you to the show because, well, I mean, you've been um, quite central in my artistic life for the past few years. Uh, I want to tell everybody before we start how I met you, actually how I remember meeting you, because it was during a performance of Odyssey Theatre many, many years ago. And I was in the bathroom, I was in one of the stalls, just finished, and then uh, in walks one of the actors in full costume, um, kind of dancing alone in front of the mirror or just being overly silly, notices me and just kind of goes, oops, sorry. And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 go on. I was so thrilled because... You know, as somebody who was a little bit more introverted in my youth, to see somebody feel so free to dance in the bathroom, I was like, I kind of want to know this person oh. right away. And I did. I got to know you and I got to uh, take some of your classes and, and just, um, it's been awesome. So for everybody who's listening, uh, Alex, you are, I'm, I, I'm just going to call you an artist. I'm going to get let you give us the full hyphenated title of how you would describe yourself. So go ahead. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a massively hyphenated human. I'm an actor. Uh, that's what I certainly was uh, when I kind of like out of the gate. And uh, I moved into writing and directing and I directed for some like <clears throat> operas for young people. And I started teaching. Um, and uh, these days I've also been doing movement direction and intimacy direction and coordination, which is a big, huge thing in my heart right now. Right. Um, and so would you say, you know, because people like categorization, they like knowing that you fit into a different kind of category and stuff yeah. like that. Is yeah. there one thing that you do enjoy more in your life like is acting the thing that you love doing more is directing the thing or, or do you really feel like you are just you go with the flow yeah I think really I'm a I'm a person of service and all of these categories for me kind of fall into that like uh, I really feel that my raison d'etre on this planet is to uplift and to expand and to question status quo and to offer, uh, uh, I don't know, alternative thought, alternative way, um, and to offer that through what I say or what I do or how I walk uh, the planet. So really, it's, I always feel like it's never really about what I've been doing. It's, I feel like that stuff actualizes my purpose. Like I've got this purpose on this planet, and then what I do just kind of gives it form. Yeah, I have a feeling that if you were to become a woodworker tomorrow, it would just yeah. bleed into that, right? It's it's yeah. part of how you live your life. Um, yeah. And some artists are, you know, very they're 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 craftspeople. They're people who who really like to, to focus on one thing, and that becomes you know what they do. Um, opera singers, perhaps, or or whatever. But yeah. there are then the multifaceted, like you see, you you use I like the term hyphenated um, people who really do have an, an expansive interest in anything that allows them to voice uh, their expression or their, move their body or whatever. Yeah. Um, so for you, it's more like that, right? That's how you approach art. Yeah. And it's all about like 
this ultimate investigation of like what it is to be human, what it is to be alive, like what is aliveness and what is the interchange and the uh, interweavings of that aliveness between myself and other, between myself and nature, um, between myself and this universe. So um, it's, and it is, I feel like it's like this investigation of like what this is all about. And so sometimes the investigation uh, happens through like art making processes, like, you know, through narratives or, um, and then sometimes it's, yeah, it's working through body. Sometimes it's working through breath. One of the things I love about uh, work like intimacy direction is that, you know, it's not just about a choreography of intimate story, but it's, it's also, especially in this time of COVID, it's a time of like really being a relationship to mental health. And to, you know, this curiosity of what is well-being and what is our relationship to it and how do we work with our parasympathetic nervous system and how do we work on like, uh, you know, on the on relaxing the weaving of, of uh, our systemic nervous system, our fear and our guarding and our girding and our armor with something that allows us to be more porous, allows us to be more vulnerable, that allows us to listen better and hear more broadly and and like that's just something that I love working with as well as the choreography and the storytelling and the and the safety of the performers and I and that translates to life like and like you said like I remember once I was approached by someone at the Magnetic North Theater Festival when it was still around uh, to do uh, to produce the industry series and I. I was like, oh, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a producer. <laughs> don't, don't like that's not, that's not my forte. But they said, oh, but you're no. I, I, a lot of my work is community invested. So they're like, you work with community a lot. At that time, I was living in Ottawa, and their focus was going to be on Ottawa and Ottawa artists. They said, you know, we really want you to kind of um, offer a, a platform for Ottawa artists, artists to speak and and uh, to be. Uh, in a, in a forum where they can meet other creators and other producers and whatever. And I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm gonna be in hell. I accepted it. And and then of course, cause I realized it wasn't really about me producing and being the best producer I could be cause that would not be the case. I was handheld by some of the great producers who kind of said, oh, let's, let's hold your hand as you try to do this. But for me, it was like, how can I use this forum, this, this channel, the, the being that I am, the mind and the heart and the will and the skill sets to help uplift the members of this community. So like, how can I make this industry series sexy? Because <laughs> it has to be hot in that way of like, of intimate connection of buzziness of you know, of, of, of listening and offering and playing. And I was like, I know how to do that. So at least I, I know how to do that through being curious about that. So then I'll apply it to this forum that they want me to, I don't know, to, 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 to do. So I think a lot of my life has kind of been that. I had this, I had this, um, yeah, I had this interviewer once for a, 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 um, a newspaper a long while ago, back when we used to be interviewed in newspapers, um, you know, kind of ask me, 
when I was, you know, when I was doing the industry series, you know, what, what was it that I wanted to do and how much did I make as an actor and how much did I, like all these like questions that were so much about uh, the commodifying of the stuff that we do, you know, uh, what's its value, what's its worth, why do you, you know, not really like why do you do it is in terms of like what's the raison d'etre behind it, but more like what are you hoping to achieve from it? And it's never been my question. It's never been uh, the achieving the things happen. And then like in anything, it's a draft and you hope you can come back to it and keep building and, or you, someone else uses that language and takes it further in the way they want to bring it. And it's like a global communication. But, so it's never about like, you know, label, like landing something or, or branding my name to it and saying, oh, great, that's the Sedaris method. <laughs> Right. It has nothing to do with that kind of. Right. It's a service. But, you know, you mentioned a few things that that I want to touch on here. Um, And and one of them is, you know, the arts during the pandemic, which is something we were kind of briefly talking about before we started recording. But before we get to that, though, I'm really curious about this investigation of life kind of part where I think to me, that's the ultimate role of of artists, at least for me as an artist, has been my ultimate role in life is to investigate life from a different lens, um, from an emotional kind of introspective um, curiosity, playful lens where the rest of the world is very obsessed with numbers and and shapes and sizes and all this kind of accurate measurement of everything where to me art has always been more abstract um and what i'm curious with you is because you've been in 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 the arts for your whole life pretty much um how has your approach to investigation changed and how has it changed you it's a loaded question. It is. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, like I, um, yeah, we're gonna, I'll say a bunch of things and then I want to talk about how I admire how you investigate, but like, I'll, 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 I'll get into that after. But like, I, you know, I, I was, I was um, born into uh, a Greek household um, with um, a super creative family, but with a patriarch who had just come off you know, the boat in, in the fifties and, and, you know, was living hand to mouth and was really trying to make his family kind of eat and live. And, and so, you know, uh, though the fact that I loved to tell stories and I was always like, you're brought into the circle of their friends of their like Greek circle card playing friends. It was like, entertain us for this moment, sing the song, the celebration of my, my creative voice. I wasn't supposed to pursue it. Like I was like not supposed to pursue it. So it's interesting, Julie, because I also, when I was younger, I was a very good student. I was like an amazing, I loved studying. I loved academics. I loved learning. I just love learning. Um, and it was always just beyond memorizing, you know, like even with math, I was like, math has got to be something better than like memorizing of formulas. What's the applied math? Like what's, what's behind, like what's the expanse of it? Um, but, you know, I, I was going to be a doctor. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a doctor. I think I did all this stuff and I was in school plays and but I was going to, I found love, I love the body and I want to be, I want to go into research. I want to research the body. I mean, now it all makes sense. But, um, and when I went to Seja, I, I started in that kind of health sciences program and I was shitty at it. I was just like, I mean, I did really well in anatomy and really well, but other things just kind of 
it just didn't grab my interest. And I remember, I remember lying in bed, um, uh, and feeling the pressure of my family being so proud of me that I was going to be pursuing something, you know, because they were, they were, they, you know, they owned a dépanneur. They, they, you know, at one point they, they had a children's clothing store later on. They were really, you know, kind of working class, really trying their best to make sure that their family was okay. I wasn't going to throw it away and become an artist. And so when they thought I was going to be a doctor, they were so proud. And um, I remember lying in a ball, you know, yet again, one morning when I woke up and I'm like finding myself in this like curled up ball position with my sheets over my head and this like deep, 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 deep funk. And I remember thinking, I can't live my life like this. I can't do it to please them. I love, I, I love anatomy. I just don't, get how I'm going to apply it, but I, I don't know what to do. So I ended up doing, I went, I went to like, I dropped it. I didn't tell my family. Um, I dropped it. I was living on my own anyway. So, you know, it was easy to get away with them not knowing. Um, and I did uh, like a social sciences and all my courses were like, so sociology of sex, biology of sex, you know, like it was all, all the sorts of forms of like the body, the body and its capacity. And, and it's, relational capacity. Um, eventually, I, oh, there's such a long story to it and I won't get into it because it's just so long. But I mean, eventually I, I did a university degree in like a kind of arts and education, not education as in like how to be a teacher, but arts Arts education is called drama and education. It's what we would call forum theater. It's how to apply theater politically, how to apply theater within communities. And I, I know, and, and it came to me accidentally. That's the long story. It has to do with, you know, having dated a shitty boyfriend that didn't hand in my application, my theater application in on time. That's a whole other story. Um, I fell into this. It was the only program that was available. I fell into this program and I fell in love with uh, the applications of art the applications of theater. I was offered like free, uh, not free, but like um, I was offered to teach courses while I was studying with uh, children who were in drop-in centers and um, uh, uh, disenfranchised youth essentially. And, and then this other spectrum of like uh, humans with various um, emotional and or developmental or physiological disabilities. I loved it. I loved it. And I thought, oh God, does this mean I'm going to be a teacher? And I thought, like, just don't even ask that question. Like, just be. And I had, I had like people in university who were like, Alex, you're an actor. So they put me in plays. So I would do these plays, but I'd also be teaching. And I, and I just found my life as when I was in my 20s in this kind of interesting balance of like, but I really love teaching, but I don't want to ever give up my dream of being an actor. Um, and it wasn't until like, I was newly married, I had a little baby, got like very young, <laughs> I just fell in love very young with this awesome human being. Um, and I turned to my partner and I said, you know, in the back of my head, I have this thought that maybe I'm doing a lot of this teaching stuff because my parents never wanted me to be an actor. And I'm full of fear and I'm full of dread that if I do pursue it, I'll fail and I'll I, I just like 
I won't have in the back of my mind, oh, you know, I fell into teaching and I'm sure I could have made it as an actor had I tried. Like if I try and I fuck up, then I'm like, I'll have to live with that. Um, this is back in, I used to talk like that, but I don't talk like that right now. That's not my vocabulary right now, but that was my vocabulary as a 20 year old. There was succeeding and there was failing when I was 20. And there was depression, deep, deep depression. <laughs> like deep depression, a lot of anger in me, right? So I turned to my partner and I was like, okay, I have to, I have to give this a try. I know we have a newborn. Um, I got to do this. And he was so amazing. And he was like, yeah, you got to do this. Okay. We'll live on my salary. And he too, he was like an actor teacher kind of person. He was like, we'll work. We'll, we'll do this. And, and so within a year of making that decision, I got my first gig at the national arts center. And it was just like this kind of, and it just kind of fell into my, I just, I found myself in a show that someone came to see and they took a workshop that someone said to the artistic director, Hey, have you seen this person? And it just kind of, it just, happened and then when i got the gig i thought now i'm going to disappoint everybody because no one's going to, everyone's going to figure out i'm like big fake and fraud and so i had a lot of that like my first few gigs were like this happened too fast even though it happened not fast it happened in my early 30s is when i started doing this uh, pursuing theater more uh yeah i don't know like i just it was me in relationship to my fear and having this kind of like, even when I was getting this uh, affirmation that, no, no, you're in the right place. It was still filled with ego. Like, yeah, but I'm I good enough. Yeah, but it, was, it wasn't about service in my 30s. It was about like proving that I had what it took. Or it was like, fuck you to my family. Or it was like, you know, a bunch of things that had to do with, not with the art, Julie. Not with the art. <laughs> My teaching was about the art. You um, said that yeah. you don't uh, say success and failure now. What do you? What do you? How do you perceive those two notions now? They're a construct. I just see. I just see drafts. I just see iteration now. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking with someone uh, recently um, who is a, a maker. You know, he, he makes things really, really cool stuff. And we were talking about, um, you know, using the word failure, like the concept of fail often where, you know, he said, I, I prefer iterate often. Yeah. You know what? I was like, you know what, dude, you're totally right. Like iterate. Cause I, I too use the word fail all the time. I, I, I embrace fail, but for me, fail doesn't mean what society means. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think um, for some people, failure yeah. can be like liberating, right? Like, yes. like fuck up and get up. And it's like, get off the horse, climb back on. Like it's, it's, um, it could be also like, it could feel very uh, brave and, and very like, yeah, you can be in relationship to it, like not afraid of it, but in relationship to it and let it feed you or educate you or, and, and so, yeah, it's semantics. It's semantics. Right. Right. In the end, I think you're, you're, you're somebody who has embraced the, the notion of, of uh, drafts, like you said, like you're, you're, you're almost always a rough draft. I mean, even when you yeah. think you, you've, you've got something, you're always going to learn something new or you can drop something or you can, you know, refine things and, and, and 
change things up. So yeah, I want to retake what you just said about uh, imposter syndrome, uh, which is uh, very, very interesting because initially I used to only ask artists about that, you know, if they experience imposter syndrome, it's such a common thing in the arts, but it turns out that um, I learned from some of my guests who are scientists that it's also the same issue in the scientific community. They experience imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when it comes to things like research and, you know, accreditation and and just uh, not feeling good enough uh, for the system. So I'm curious to know what your experiences have been with imposter syndrome and if you still feel it today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it ever goes away. Um, It's just maybe not as acute, you know, but it depends. If I start something new, then it's back, (laughs) you know? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. And I, I think, I think it comes to me when I, uh, sometimes it comes to me when I'm very, well, I become aware after the fact that I'm trying to be someone other than myself. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to prove something to others or I'm trying to emulate, uh, someone I think very highly of, or I'm trying to, uh, fill in the boots of a concept or an idea or of a vocation. Like I'm trying to achieve or do, or, you know what I mean? When I stop, when I stop being curious, when I stop playing jazz with my life, then like, like I trust that I've got notes and I've trust that I've gotten an understanding of rhythm and tempo or story or path. Uh, and that I'm like really playing off of whatever I'm in relationship with, when I stop doing that, I, it starts building the imposter syndrome. And, you know, we're in a culture where it's about being a human doing, not a human being. It's all about what you're doing. It's all about what you're like um, proving. We're also in this capitalist world of like, you know, everything that we say or do, you know, people are like, it's a term that I, I respect those who use it, but like I have a hard time with the word brand, you know, like I don't want to brand myself, you know, like I, I'm, I'm human and I'm like, uh, unless I brand the fact that I am perpetually evolving. <laughs> no, I, like- you know, I totally get it. I, I described, um, the way I, I do my, cause I used to plan for the future. I don't anymore. Now I, I described it as throwing darts on a board because there's an openness there to, yeah. I don't know where it's going to land. I'm going to do something because I find pleasure in it because it's yes. interesting because I find it, there's something that's like, do you find that you're grabbed by things sometimes? And you just kind of go like Woof, there. Totally. Like there, there, there are, my whole life has been that, like you asked earlier, you know, about trajectory and like, you know, did you expect, how did it, how did, like, I've always like been either thrust into a situation or have like suddenly gone that, like, like, like teaching was that for me. Someone said, Hey, you like in school, you should, you should here's some classes. Why don't you teach them? I'm like, I'm still a student. I don't know how to teach. I've never worked with like, ah, there you do. There you go. Like, uh, like, uh, someone pointing to someone saying you should hire this person. Suddenly I'm being hired and being thrust in this environment or, um, Hey, you're a body person. Uh, we're, we're doing an opera and we, we need someone to, to, uh, work with our opera singers and help them with embodiment. 
okay, fantastic. And then suddenly that's all I'm doing for like a year or two. Uh, or like, oh, you know, I mean, intimacy direction is the same thing too. Like, you know, and that's the thing I guess I'm talking about most right now because it's the newest thing for me right now. Was, so, you know, someone approaching me four years ago saying, hey, we hear like from people that, you're a movement director and that you're very body centered. A lot of your work, and you know me, I'm such a sexually connected, sensuously, you know, uh, um, positive uh, person, uh, you know, body positive kind of person. And they're like, you know, we're starting this, this movement on intimacy direction. Do you want to join us? Like, do you want to? And I was like, why do I want to join an institution about intimacy direction? What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Like you want to have to certify for like the things I've been doing for like 20 years. What are you talking about? And but, but so I was like, Oh, just tell me more about it. And suddenly I'm doing it and loving it. Um, so yeah, I feel like life has been, and I think for some people who need to know what they're going to do tomorrow, I'm sure it's very scary. The stuff that you and I are talking about, right? Like throw darts. What? Like, 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 but, but, you know, we're not also just throwing them randomly. We have an idea of what the, what the board of pleasure and joy and fruitfulness, like what makes us feel fulfilled and of service and of, you know, like there is a, there is a dark board, you know, like yeah. there's a parameter. I feel like there's not just like, uh, and, but, you know, it's, there's boundary of like who I think, you know, what we're also I think on this planet to do like what's our what's our I don't know what are the parameters of who we are but you know we don't we're discovering whether we're in the center or on the outside circles like there there's some of those things that we know ahead of time and some of those things that just make it to our our board and we're like oh I guess that was always a part of me because it makes me feel fulfilled it makes me feel purposeful I feel aligned I feel healthy I feel connected mind body soul spirit all that stuff feels like grounded uh, people are served by it. People are expanded by it. People are lifted, uplifted by me being involved in this thing. Huh. It's like, and I like suddenly, I've always been a, a spiritual person. I used to be scared of telling people that though, probably because of its religious connotations. I'm not religious. So I always thought it was going to be like connected to religion. And I have a, I have no issues with people who are religious at all, but I have personal thoughts about uh, religion and politics and stuff like that. Um, but I was always very spiritual and I was kind of closeted because I didn't want to tell people they thought they'd think, oh, you know, she's woo woo or she's like another artsy who's into the gems or I don't know. Like suddenly I thought it would remove the cred of my work, you know, because suddenly I had all this other stuff. And then the pandemic happened. And I all I could hear and feel as someone who's empathic was like the weight of what people were carrying and the fear. And I had some tools. I had also gone through a health crisis the year before and I had already like already um, had tools how to align my sense of well-being while in a place of crisis. Like I was, I, I had language and I thought, oh shit, Alex, just offer it, just offer it. And if people think you're fucking woo-woo or people think you're like, if it removes your cred, then then those forums are not like that, that, that brood is. Can we, no? can we talk about this for just one second here? Because <laughs> um, I find, you know, as soon as I turned 40, 
Mm. I start caring so I know. much. Liberation. Oh my God. About how and what people thought of me, of my thoughts, of, you know, I'm not religious. I'm not even spiritual. I, I don't like, I don't have, um, if I had a definition, I would probably use stoic only because I always think things are going to work out, you know, whatever. Um, You're resilient I really, too. I find you resilient. Oh, well, that's, 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 uh, I think, I think that's actually, you know, have you, have you started reading about epigenetics? Cause I yeah. really think that's a genetic thing that's been passed through by generations huh. of resiliency, you know, like yeah. the, this, these like French farmers who left and, 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 and trudged through the North and, and did things in the North that, you know, weren't done before. And yeah, I yeah. think that's a part of me feels like the resiliency is in, it's like inbred, you know, ancestral. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Ancestral. Um, but really, I think aging as women, as, as like when we hit 40, when we, you know, some, some people, it might hit them at 50, but I think a certain side of us just kind of lets go of this pressure to be a certain way to be, to think a certain way. And in your case, to, to hide the fact that you're spiritual. Yeah. And, and, you know, of course, as soon as I, you know, came out, um, it was embraced like I had so many people just come into my remote meditations and it didn't like and you know they just wanted to sit in presence they wanted to be in community they wanted to breathe together Mm -hmm. they wanted to be reminded that that they weren't uh alone that there was uh something globally that was happening but also something like that you can connect in heart that you can see one another and go oh hi you know that people recognize each other the gorgeous thing about the pandemic, right, was that we could, people from France, I had people from like the States, I had people from like all different places just kind of connect. And so there were people from everywhere and we would just sit and breathe together. Yeah, that's a, like it was just, it just felt right. And then it felt silly. Yeah. And, and, and that leads us really into the discussion of how artists I think the mainstream media and and just mainstream conversation about COVID has really left out the artists. I really think we've talked a lot about healthcare workers. We've talked a lot lot about frontline workers. We haven't talked enough about the people who are at the center of our appreciation of life in general, our, you know, uh, uh, the center of our our social and political discussions, the artists. Um, and it has really been extremely difficult for the artistic communities, uh, especially for artists who are accustomed to performing in front of crowds, uh, artists who, um, you know, but not just the performance aspect, but also what people don't realize is that artists get a lot of their ideas from living. And that means living among people, you know, uh, living among nature, living among uh, chaos. And I think chaos breeds great art. That's why Berlin is, is such a hot spot. You know, it's kind of yeah, like a, yeah. Paris yeah. in the 20s was very, you know, kind of like, yeah, bring your rebels. Um, so I'd like to, to know what you think, because I've interviewed a few artists on the show who, who said that the pandemic has transformed the arts potentially forever. Yeah, it can't be the same. And because we're responsive, like that, you know, being an artist is to respond to your given circumstance, but to respond to the time. Right. I mean, it, you know, and to respond to this time is to recognize that we're different, that we've changed, that we've changed. Our stories have changed. Uh, our communities have changed. And viscerally, we've changed. You know, um, 
I was recently doing a, a workshop with uh, some some artists and uh, like in their bodies, this kind of, um, this, their breath had changed. Their breath had changed. And, and, you know, that might shift into a different kind of breath eventually as we start to relax, as we start to whatever. But the, and, but, you know, the opportunity is to then create art from that breath instead of resisting it or, 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 or being, uh, uh, frustrated with it or wishing it otherwise, it's like, this is the breath. So what is the, how does this breath create? And, you know, uh, there's some really interesting things that have happened. You know, of course we're talking about breath and that's been the issue of the pandemic, right? Um, like, oh, there's so much to say about this. Like there's, there's, um, there's the kind of experimentation that has started to happen now. Um, like I was involved in a, in a, a Zoom experiment. We were, I was supposed to go to La Mama and do this show in New York and obviously that got canceled. But instead, what we ended up doing was this kind of hybrid thing where we did this experiment and some actors were from Toronto and some actors were like in like, you know, in LA and some actors were in New York and some actors were just kind of piecemealed all together and we kind of created this experiment about, and that show was about fear and about uh, uh, living with like, how, how, you, how you persevere and how you, how do, how do you, how do you breathe uh, when, when, um, when there's nothing but anxiety and nothing but like restriction and uh, and you know it just it just so happened that that's the show we were working on but we had something to really call like we could really we could draw up all that for sure yeah um, but like hybrid productions are starting to happen right now and I think just even just um, technically I suspect now that you know there's going to be a lot more multi uh, uh, multimedia productions because people suddenly have learned how to utilize um, forums, creative forums that they never have thought of before, you know, like, um, I know people who are teaching and some of they have to do a show with their students and they're like theater artists, but some of they have to like learn all sorts of technical forums so that they could, like, you know, now it's in their toolbox. So they, you know, they're in a wheelhouse. So now they're going to incorporate all that. Um, uh, you know, I also like some of the teaching that I do now, I never, I don't want to lose my international peeps. So I'm going to be hybriding. Like I'm going to create, I'm going to teach here live and I'm going to teach here. You're, you're always going to have the opportunity to pipe in remotely, you know, so you can get the live experience, but you can also get the experience if you're living somewhere else and you want to follow the work that I do, you can do it this way. I think there's going to be a lot of hybrid kind of stuff that's going to happen. Um, and I think that there's a will to embrace all that. Um, yeah, that's good. Back in the day, I remember I, I, I you know, I, I suffered through a, a, a period of disability and I couldn't go to a lot of shows and stuff like that. And I, I remember saying, can you guys please like do something where you record it? I'll pay the full ticket, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't embraced yet. I think there was still um, a sort of perception of pure purity perhaps, That's right. in the yeah. theater world that I think is now changing and was forced to change. Yeah. But um, 
I will still maintain that it's never going to be the same as going. It's a different experience. Yeah. yeah, It's just different. Like you said, it is different. It's um, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting change. I think it opens up for accessibility reasons. I think it opens up the world. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it, it, it really does. And I think there's a real opportunity to be a far more global artistic community that way. Um, Like, wouldn't it be cool to have, fantastic far more opportunities to co-create with companies in Berlin let's say right like just to yeah. have a to have, and, and just like even teaching experiences like the whole thing like you know I also there was a I did intimacy direction remotely too for you know during when when things were suddenly cut off that there's still ways of keeping each other safe this way there mm-hmm. we're, we're just refining refining ways to to I don't know. I think there and there's. I think there's so much more that we can do with this. I'm really. I look. I look forward to like listening to all your artists and how they're like wanting to use this <laughs> where they've wanted to. Like, um, I think what's what's interesting is what I'm hearing is there. There's a community of artists that are like you, embracing the change and and accepting the new challenges, and and then there's. Um, the unfortunate side of, of where some of the artists have just given up the arts completely. I heard from from one um, musician, a music artist, who said that you know about half of his colleagues just left the business completely. Like yeah, those you music, know what? you know. I wonder, Julie, as someone who's like, it could happen that they're gone, yeah. gone, right? Uh, but maybe their dartboard got bigger. That's what I'm thinking too. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and because. It's not about what we do. It's about, I, yeah. I mean, maybe it is for some people. This is me totally like, <laughs> you know, with my belief system and like, but I really feel that what we do is it, it actualizes what we're here for. And yeah. if, you know, I'm here to learn and to be of service, you know, and to help uplift friggin' and to expand like all those things I said early on. So, you know, uh, if I, like when I was doing the production work, my God, I don't think I'd ever like, I'm really not meant for that work. I did good work. I think they were like really happy. And I've heard people say that was one of their favorite, you know, industry series. And it was like, that's all nice, pat, pat, pat. I don't want to do it again. Like, it was just like, oh my God, nerve wracking. But what did it teach me? It taught me how to, um, how to pitch my own shows, how to create community, how to, how to be more broad minded about my art and not just, not only think regionally, but to think nationally and to think internationally and how to create like and that now is servicing me on all sorts of other levels as I'm involved in other boards that are doing national work and so you know had I not done that I would know how to do this now and I think about so many actors who have like left and are doing right now they're doing their masters and they're doing their masters in psych or other kind of things who's to say five years down the line they don't come back in a different shape or form. And, and, and like, I was talking about this with a very special someone recently, like, you know, they're an actor and, and also they've been, they're a beautiful director and they've been teaching a lot recently. And I know the people that they've taught, this person knows how to teach. Like they're so exciting. They're total jazz players. And um, it's, it's still a creative trajectory and and it's in it it's an iteration and if that's something that they're like happy doing society has this very strange understanding of art 
or, or, you know, vocation. And it's like, if you don't succeed in it, then you, you know, it wasn't for you or you you failed at it or you, instead of just like, and just having this experience now, I mean, you've been through a health crisis, right? I went through mine a couple of years ago when, when a big health crisis comes to you, when you're in a place of being in direct relationship to your well-being, to your breath, and the next moment, what really matters is what brings you joy, what makes you feel fulfilled, what makes you feel curious. Like, the rest is jazz. Like, the rest is, like, play. The rest is, um, yeah. What I like to tell people is um, because I always have always considered myself an artist as like the umbrella of everything I do. And what I tell people who leave the arts and a lot of them, like I said, you know, left it during COVID because they couldn't perform. So like you said, they went and did their masters or did something else um, is there's no harm in having an artist in accounting, yeah. an artist in medicine, an artist in teaching, uh, because, and I say this as somebody who myself am in the corporate world and in technology, where, you know, I think differently than everybody else because of the way I think. And, and you need all those personalities together. And you do, I think we need more artists in the kind of more vanilla world, if you want to consider it that way yeah. you know you need them it's transferable skills it's transferable you offer a new perspective if you got tired of writing music go you know write um a history book or you know go go do your phd or go yeah. work in a lab you will bring something from there and you will learn something from that that experience you will always be an artist yeah period that's just you're born with it you're just yeah. it's just the, it's how you relate to the world this is how you relate to the world. So yeah, it's it's not about the things that you do. I think we're getting into trouble when it becomes about the things we do or the legacy we want to leave behind. That's all ego and patriarchal kind of stuff, you know. Like it's just about, it's just about, uh, yeah, being alive. What do you, how do you um? What do you think about the youth, uh, young artists today, who mm, have yum 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 yum, right? Exactly. Um, who have a whole new set of challenges. Um, than we ever faced. Um, they have more, in certain cases, more opportunities, which is beautiful. We have yeah. new yeah. programs. We have new spaces for young artists. We have um, a different way of teaching young artists. We don't repress certain forms of art and expression like we used to. I mean, I grew up, I was telling my, my girlfriend now, fiance, uh, the other day that, um, right? Um, <laughs> Telling her how in elementary school, the boys and the girls were not allowed to even share the same playground. Yeah. Uh, this is how, how it was back then. Yeah. So the, the youth today have a whole new set of challenges, yes, but also a whole new set of opportunities that are like so delicious. Oh, yeah. And, um, I wanted to know from your perspective, like what would you tell a young artist today? How would you coach them? Oh, I find that they're doing a lot of coaching for me. Like, I feel like I'm like learning so much from them. Uh, I, was, I was bringing this up just recently. I was doing a podcast of a show with Odyssey, actually, where we first met. Uh, yeah, they're doing a podcast of a show. And, um, and I was just saying, like, how I was talking about my intimacy direction. I was doing a show, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was saying, you know, a lot of the work that I do 
when I go into a production, there's there's a little bit of education that comes, you know, that happens between me and let's say the director or the producer who's been around for a while. Less so between the young artists and myself. Like, you know, I teach sometimes I teach in educational institutions and I bring up, you know, I, I offer this kind of intimacy course. They've already been taught this, so it's a discussion. I'm not teaching anything. We're having, we're applying it now. It's about applied, applied concepts of consent um, and our understanding of consent and the width and breadth and depth of consent. And this is all being taught to them like in their youth. So now it's a matter of expanding the world. You know, the ideas of decolonizing the rehearsal space, you know, like this is new for a lot of like, you know, established artists, you know, they have to kind of re- conceptualize what that might mean for our younger generations they're having this these conversations in theater school so they're already coming in with their ideas of like how to create you know living breathing documents of of well-being in a space and how to like you know it's just it's so promising julie like it's just so promising and and really like you're talking about like i when i first moved to toronto i did uh uh some in-school teaching like I would go like and I would just do like drama classes and uh, it's you know it was fun and I remember going into some schools most schools and working with grade twos grade threes offering I don't know various curriculum arts curriculum kind of stuff and put them together do little scenes and little boys would uh, sometimes pair up to do a scene or little girls pair up to do a scene. And they're like, this is my husband. This is my wife. And like, just, you know, like just the, uh, uh, no question about love, like no question about, you know, uh, like no question about uh, gender and, and the fluidity of that. Um, in particular in the cities, but I think it's starting to, to kind of spread out in larger domains of this planet this conversation with our younger people who are just uh you know uh demanding conversations on environment and the environmental crisis on equity and 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 you know uh the relief of 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 race and 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 you know uh the the demand on uh conversations in equitable environments uh, the conversations of Black Lives Matter, the conversations of like, you know, indigenous space and thievery, uh, you know, colonial thievery and all like these are just like, these are just banter now, like with a lot of our younger people. And so what kind of art is that going to create? If we're boundary pushers and if we respond to our immediate environment and if we're here to stretch and pull and to activate or provoke or to incite, whoa. <laughs> it was interesting recently I had this conversation with this uh, gentleman who was like, you know, talking about, I don't know if it's, you know, cool to bring children into this world, you know, it's just so much anger, there's so much hate, there's so much, I'm like, oh, what? Like, come on, like. Have you met the young people? Like, yeah, there's some shitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in this big, divisive, like, place. And there's a massive othering that's happening now. And there is, like, a there's a reckoning happening for sure. <laughs> but it's happening because there is a real demand. It's like this kind of push that happened in the 60s. I feel like we're in this other era. We're in this other swell of, like, ça suffit. Like, no more. Like, 
you know, um, time's up. And, and that's coming from our, our young people and our older people, like some of us who are like curious and always wanting to are open to it. But I'm always like, teach me your language again. Like I, I'm, I'm, my God, like I'm taking so many frigging courses. I'm having so many conversations and, and I'm really trying my best to just as, as someone who's like white and like heteronormative presenting and like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like just to just fucking listen and just, just learn. It's, it's interesting because I, you know, when I was in very, very young, I, uh, you know, came out and, and did all the like activisty things because I was, I needed it. I came from a Northern Ontario community where it was not kosher. It just wasn't cool. It wasn't even allowed to a certain extent to, to be gay and to come out and all that stuff. And I find myself now as I'm older, you know, really impressed with, with this, the, the activism, but also very kind of like, Oh, I kind of want the, um, the make-believe. I want the make-believe. I want the storytelling where I don't need to be in today's society where I need, I can be in, and maybe I think a part of me is holding on to that 80s. You remember in the 80s, the, that's all it was. It was fantasy stuff. And it was, it was you know, um, living in pretend. Like, I, I want to be Peter Pan. A, a part of me just wants to be Peter Pan. And I want stories that, that make me feel like Peter that. Pan. And and sometimes I, and, uh, I wonder, and you're, prob- you're definitely more in touch with the youth today than I am. Are there... A, a, there's a subset, I, I feel like there's a subset of the youth that are expressing this, like you said, this environmental consciousness, the, the racial consciousness, all that stuff. Is there also a subset of, of, of youth that are um, going the other direction, kind of like into like the Peter Pan kind of, um, you know, know, imagination? Or is that is that kind of suffering a little bit because we're so preoccupied? You know, you're, you're I feel like my perspective of it, of it it, you know, because I'm so. One of my curiosities and in my investigations is 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 how do we exist when we remove binary, period, one or the other? I think they can all coexist. Mm-hmm. And you either step in here, you step in there, you step in there, but they all carry each other, right? Like, it's all weaved, and it just depends on where your lens is. So you can still have the magic and be political, but just choose to be magical at the moment. That doesn't mean you're not carrying politics and the other way around, you know, like, like we're whole, we're whole. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see people making choices, but I, I, I kind of have a hard time with my lens, not seeing them without the removal of the binary altogether. And it's just right right now, this is where they're at. Do you know what I mean? So there's no cost. There's no like like balance. Like you're you're focusing too much here or too much there. You know, I mean, uh, I remember, I remember, you know, to, to kind of speak to what you're talking about, I remember seeing this uh, brilliant show. I, I really wish I could remember the artist. She's from New York, spoken word. It was fucking amazing. It was at Buddy's. It was just really good. It was like, life-changingly good you know she just had she's magical 
magical and just talked about being, a, uh, you know, someone who is gay and black and like New York and, but coming from Africa and like kind of coming from like this kind of um, balance of identities and, and uh, really it was about the celebration of her coming out um, in New York. And she had a rhythm and a tempo and a power and a strength and a everything like, all you want to do is just get up and just like, I don't know, my feet were not touching the ground. And at one point someone raised their hand and she was like, yes, because she could comment, we could comment back and forth. And, and they, they, they turned it, they said, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but in the front of the audience, there's a group of people who uh, uh, need a translator because they can't hear you. And you're going in and around the audience, but they can't see you. They have to rely on the translator. Uh, and I think that's disrespectful and I think that's unkind. And I think that and they just went, they ranted on her. And the energy, this elation, this power, this magic, this like transformation went, ooh, like it just crashed and burned. It crashed and burned because suddenly it became about uh, ideology and, and and human rights and the navigation of it, the the, the technical in, importance of it and that like just became like a you know are you being heart mindful are you being like and there's so much to be said about that there's so much to be said about that like the how this person this young person wants to change something that's not being uh addressed you know and it wants to create an inclusivity for everyone to feel the power for it, for it's like enough that, you know, you just got like an interpreter and that's enough. How do you modify your art to include and to, you know, all that? Yes. And at the same time, it was going somewhere. How do you allow something to go somewhere? When do we, when do we intervene? When do we not? No answers to any of this. No answers to any of those because everyone's, it's right. It's like the Greeks say, right versus right. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay. So how? Do, how so it, what it did? What it did was it exploded the room with questions, sadness. She wove her way back. We found our way back. We went back to that place. She went to the front of the audience. You know, um, it stayed with us. It's this. This happened like four or five years ago. I'll never forget it. Because in the moment, I had thoughts like, ah, oh, like, fuck. We were in a place of transcendence. We were in a place of prayer. We were in a place of light. And someone took shadow and went, boom. Was that really the case? I don't know. Someone took education. Someone took like, someone took the art away for a moment to put a spotlight on what was still creating a little bit of harm. So I was like, okay, maybe we need that. And maybe we need to kind of backtrack a little bit till this balance out. It's intersection. And then we bring back the art. It's intersectionality. We can keep talking about like, oh, why do I have to focus on this group of people? You know, the majority of us are. <laughs> it's like, because we want, we want, we want love for all. So we have to listen. I know we want magic, but sometimes we need to listen about where the magic is still not happening because it's just not allowed or just hasn't been given a voice. 
Well, I think what you said in in response to to my question is is really the the thing. It's that you need a, you need all of it. Yeah, I think that that's that's the thing. It's the global thing. Is you need all of it. And as as a former you know twenty something rebel who who you know created the first queer university college clubs in 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 the north and and had that rah, yeah. I'm I you 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 navigate through life as an artist too where your art becomes about certain things and then it changes over time and and as long as you you know uh, also have that space to to have to express that and i think for me it's um it's been a it's been a, a whirlwind and it changes with your your life's perspective um where i'm at the point in my life where i i need that 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 peter pan because i you know i'm 40 almost 45 years old and you know <laughs> you know what yeah, I remember. I'm going to go back to that thing I was. I said I was going to say. So this one workshop you took of mine. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, and it was an intimacy class, I believe. Was that an? Yes, it class? was intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was near the end, I remember, and the exercise was. Here's a little bit of text, and it's pretty sparse text from what I remember. <laughs> and I think the task was, connect as raw as simple, as naked, like no bells and whistles, no, just you and the essence of what you want to offer and say and touch had to be significant. And it was a sparse, 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 sparse. Now, what do you do? Do you remember? <laughs> I love you. Yeah, I incredible. fell in love with you. I mean, I've always loved you, but I <laughs> fell deeply in love with you this time. You, I remember grabbing a net, a shopping so with those shopping bag nets. Yes, because what what you omitted here is that you expressly told us you can grab any object in the room. Oh, <laughs> I guess I did. Okay, yeah. And so I looked at my my scene partner because you also I think assigned us or we chose our scene partner. I can't remember, but I looked at the scene partner and I said I said to her I said I said I'm oh I'm grabbing something. She she's giving us permission to do it. Hell yeah! And I, I mean. Even if you hadn't given us permission, I probably would grab something, but that's just how I am. But yeah, so I grabbed this net thing that I found and I emptied it. And what'd you do and with I it? Do you remember what you did with it? Put it on, we put it on our heads. Put it on your heads. So here's this like scene that's about like two people connecting and they have fishnet bags over their heads. <laughs> and it was one of the most honest things I've ever seen. It was. It was. <laughs> well and, and and i think um yeah it was it was it was fascinating because it was a i was with a very honest partner as well yeah. right it, it really I, I wish i mean we have to end this like soon um but essentially i wish we had more time to speak and, and maybe we should do this again and speak about intimacy and authenticity because that, that is so primordial um to the work that you do and the work the way that i like to approach art but it really made a huge difference for us to do this seen together because we had that connection it was there yeah. that that authenticity it didn't and matter the what text, you were wearing it didn't matter what you were doing it didn't matter it could have been a rubber band that we held between our teeth to say the text you know like it it didn't matter as much the object but it was definitely like yeah and but it's it how you weave your art like you it became it went from an exercise of intimacy mm -hmm. into an experience of beauty like you brought art and beauty 
you took, you know, like what you did was you, you took this and you just expanded the world to just include something else that was ephemeral and tangible. It was, but because it was grounded in truth, it, it became art. And so I thought, you just can't, like Julie, like, no matter what you do, it's artful. Well, yeah, you know, anyway, and, and I just wanted just, to just, remind yeah, you. Just, just Thank you. Uh, I, 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 you say that, right? Um, <laughs> but, but but just to to wrap that up is is uh, to to about make belief is I think that there are some artists who uh, rather than confront things as they are, confront them through an imaginative state. And perhaps for me that was an imaginative state was okay. If I throw the hairnet on this, it'll all make sense in some weird abstract way, you know. But that's um, that's so you like, like yeah. You 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 transcended the boundary. You just you tra transcended the binary of like, do I do something you know, serious and simple, or do I add art and beauty? Like, it was just that. It was just that. It's just that. That's just what it is. Um, Alex Sedaris. Uh, what can I say other than I wish we had more time because I, I, I feel like we could have explored so many topics. I, I really do think, um, you know, intimacy and authenticity is something that we we have to talk about again at some point. Um, so for everybody who's listening, uh, we did have some technical challenges. There will be some cuts in the audio and video at some point. So uh, I'm greatly sorry about that. Uh, so Canadian of me to do it this way. Um, so Alex, is there anywhere that people can learn more about you? Do you have a website, a social media account, somewhere where they can go and look at your work and or contact you and, and perhaps participate in your meditation yeah. sessions? A lot of that information is on my website. So that's at Alex, A-L-I-X, Sedaris, S as in Sam, I, D as in David, E-R-I-S as in Santa, alexsedaris.com. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, I will direct my listeners and viewers now to uh, to visit your website and perhaps participate in your wonderful sessions. And if you're uh, in Toronto, guys, um, and if Alex is offering any courses, go take them, please. They're awesome. So Thank thanks you. for coming on the show. What a joy. What a joy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's been here. fun.